listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. And I ought to throw in there James Dutz down in Florida. James sitting in today for, he's our special always guest and always has a special subject. Uh, Steve's at a 90th birthday party and uh, Jim Weber <laughs> did something as dumb as I would do and that uh, he cracked his ribs uh, with his own elbow the other day. Now I'm not sure exactly well he explained it but I didn't get all of the picture, but uh, I think they'll both be back next week, and uh, we certainly hope they are. But it's always a pleasure to welcome James Dunst to America's Web Radio, and uh, we've got an interesting subject to talk about today. We, we've never done this, and when I... The, the idea first struck, I said, well, that's not really classic cars, but then I got to thinking about it. It is, and... Uh, that's the subject of diesel. So with that being said, good morning, James. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. And uh, it's a beautiful day today. And uh, every day is a beautiful day. We're all blessed to live in a, the best nation in the country and in the world. And uh, we live in a great state. And you live in a great state. And just happy to be here for the folks that are tuning in to the Classic Car Show, and uh, we're going to be talking about diesel, and diesel engines, and diesel cars, and some that have made it, and some that haven't, but it's an interesting subject. I don't even have a clue, Jim, or James, off the top of my head, uh, how many, we, we know that diesel trucks are on the road all over, but I don't even have a clue how many uh, diesel cars are still on the road. Question for Google. <laughs> okay, well, um, I might have to Google and find out. I don't know, but um, the diesel engine is so much different from the gasoline com combustion engine that we're all familiar with. And I guess let's start with the fact that I've owned a couple of diesel uh, cars and. Uh, the first objection I had was, uh, and, and both of them were Mercedes, and uh, the objection that I initially had was that it was just loud. And uh, it was really until you were out on the road going about 60 or 70 miles an hour, um, it, it drove wonderfully. It would get you through. It got uh, my wife and I through uh, Hurricane Bob. And uh, you know they were they were great as far as stability goes and all that, but the diesel engine back then was and, and the Mercedes even was loud. Then I got, had a '91 uh, Mercedes that uh, was much much quieter. They had really uh, heard heard their customers and they quietened them down. But the biggest thing is that one thing that uh, every diesel owner knows and knows very well. You don't jump in the car and try to start it. You jump in the car, you turn the ignition on, and let the glow plugs go to work. And you want to explain the difference between a spark plug and a glow plug, James? Sure. Let me let me give you a little, uh, before I start, I'm going to address your, your, your uh, statement on noise. 
mm-hmm. and the glow plugs. But just to give your listeners a little bit of history on, on the diesel. And I want, to, I want them to know that whether it's a diesel engine from 1935 or a diesel engine from 2021, the diesel works the same way. Uh, the difference is what, what's different about them today is the fuel is different. Uh, the ultra-low sulfur uh, diesel, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, the electronic fuel injection rather than mechanical injection, and the emission controls that have been added and some of the problems that, that uh, it creates. Uh, I get questions all the time. They say, why does the diesel engine last longer uh, than, than a gasoline engine? See, diesel fuel is an oil, and when it's uh, injecting this oil into the engine, it actually has a lubricating property, and it extends the life of the mechanical parts in the engine. And uh, the, the average life of a, of a diesel engine is roughly 200,000 miles, uh, which is pretty good. Then uh, they say, well, why, why diesel? Diesel has more energy in it than gasoline. Uh, but it takes a little different type of system to ignite it. But to go back to your, to go back to your uh, statement on noise, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to get ahead of you here. So we're going to talk about something called cetane. Cetane is the, the rating of diesel fuel, simple, similar to octane in gasoline, but it's the opposite. Uh, the, the higher the cetane rating is, the quicker the ignition of the fuel will take place. And... Every engine is designed for a certain cetane value, and most diesel fuel has a cetane rating somewhere between 40 and 45 on a cetane scale. Most engines run better between 45 and 55, but what it does, uh, it, it has to do with the speed of ignition. The closer you are to the design level of that engine, the, the quicker the fuel will ignite, and therefore, you're going to have less noise. If the cetane level is correct in the fuel that you're using, uh, the noise level will drop. Also, the smoke, uh, there'll be less smoke uh, in the engine. There'll be more power and more fuel economy. So cetane is a critical uh, a critical item. Unfortunately, when you go to your local service station, usually you cannot find out what the cetane rating of the diesel is. But uh, I'm going to explain later in our, our talk, you know, how you can remedy that. And uh, you, you said, well, what is the difference between a spark plug and a glow plug? Diesel engines uh, uh, work on what they call compression ignition. When you compress air, uh, when you compress air uh, 23 to 1, which is the compression ratio of most diesels, it gets really hot. It gets up to like 700 degrees in the cylinder. At that point, the fuel is injected, and then it ignites. And that cetane rating I just talked about, what you want is the moment that that fuel is injected that it ignites, that there's no delay. If there's a delay in the ignition, when the piston is already starting on its way back down, it's going to affect the uh, mileage, it's going to affect the performance, it's going to affect noise, and it's going to affect what you see coming out of the tailpipe. So cetane is important, and there's ways that you can uh, experiment with that, which I'll get get to a little bit later. That's fascinating. But. But uh, I didn't answer your question. You know, the difference between a spark plug and a glow plug. A spark plug actually uh, is what ignites the fuel in a gas engine. In a gas engine, you're, you're compressing a mixture of air and fuel. In a diesel engine, you're compressing just air. And the fuel is added when the piston's at the top. And what the spark plug does is that's what ignites the fuel in a gas engine. On a diesel engine, the reason that there are glow plugs... Uh, 
these are fuel as hard as to ignite. So what they do with the glow plugs, they warm the air inside the cylinder so that it, it helps uh, start the engines quicker. And glow plugs, they do have a life. You know, they do have a shelf life, and the average life is about 100,000 miles. So it's not uh, unreal that you sometime during the life of your diesel engine that you're going to have to change those glow plugs in there. And uh, then I get the question all the time, well, what happens if they go bad? Well, what happens is you have a hard-starting engine, especially if you're in a cold climate. And if you get some glow plugs that go bad, usually there's one per cylinder. If you get one or two of them bad, then you're going to end up with uh, incomplete burn in the cylinder, which results in black smoke out the back. You know, you brought up a point, uh, James, and I, I just had a flashback memory of this. Um, both of the Mercedes, and I never used it, but obviously heat is very important to a diesel engine. And both of the Mercedes, uh, and I put in a, uh electrical outlet in my garage thinking that, gosh, if they give you a, a thing to plug in, you better be able to plug it in. But as it turned out, in both cases, even though we had... Uh, we had some cold weather, but it wasn't cold enough to ever need to plug my car in at night and or plug it in any time, for that matter. But uh, obviously, heat on a diesel is a very important part of the of the formula for a diesel. Absolutely. And originally, I'm from Wisconsin originally, and up there it gets quite cold. And an uh, uh, engine heater, which... What, what that does is actually circulates the water in the engine through a heater, and which makes the engine warm and makes it easier to start. It would definitely have an advantage in a northern climate. So, you know, there, there are just a lot of little things that are different about a diesel than a, than a, than a gas engine. But, you know, the one thing I, I think a lot of people don't understand, and this is a uh, we hadn't talked about this, but I'm, I'm going to throw it at you anyway, is that, you know, for all practical purposes, when you get in a car and you crank the engine, be it a diesel or a gas, you're really starting a heck of an explosion. And that's what makes it run, correct? That's correct. Uh, it is correct. And a lot of people, if they realized that they were sitting on a, a bomb of sorts, uh, they'd probably go back to the horse. Before I get into what, what I want to do here, I want to go through uh, the changes in the diesel fuel and how it affects and things, things that a, a consumer can do to prevent having the problems that are common. Uh, what I do here in the state of Florida, I actually work with the cities and counties throughout the state uh, addressing their diesel fuel issues, uh, tank storage issues, and problems that come up with the, uh, the vehicles. So I'm, I'm pretty well versed on, on what, what is going on out there with this diesel. But I want to cover an area before I get into that. This is one of the most common questions that I get. Uh, I get uh, emails from all over the world. And uh, the most common thing is, well, I was filling up my diesel car and realized I wasn't putting diesel in, I was putting gas in it. And uh, what do I do? Is there an additive that can uh, can help me with this? And uh, there is no additive that can help you with that. And it's, it's 
dangerous that you run the vehicle when there's gas in it. What you have to remember, oil is a, is or diesel is an oil, and the components in the diesel engine, like the injector and the injector pump, they re, they need that lubrication uh, in in their systems. Gas is a solvent. There's no lubricating properties in gasoline. So if you have gasoline in a diesel engine, uh, it, it, it's going to cause uh, severe damage to both the injectors and injector pumps. Then I have people say, well, I think they put gas in my diesel. How do I know that? There's a simple little test that I use. Um, if, you, if you can get a thimble full of the fuel out of your tank, either with a, uh, a, a vacuum hose or something like that, and take that thimble full of fuel and pour it out on concrete and then see if it'll light. Diesel fuel, if you have diesel fuel on concrete and you take a blowtorch to it, it won't light. It will light if you put it on paper or cardboard or something like that. But if you just put it on concrete, it won't light. If that sample that you put on the concrete lights, there's gas in it. And then they say, well, what do I do? There's only one thing that you can do. It's drain and flush. Because if you drive that vehicle, it's going to cause severe damage to your engine. It may be inconvenient at the time that it happens. But in the long run, you're going to save a whole lot of money because it may cost you an engine. And the other way is if uh, gasoline or diesel is put in gas, uh, there's a city or county down here in Florida, down in Miami, that the tanker accidentally put diesel fuel uh, in an underground gas tank. And uh, they called me and said the check engine lights are coming on on all our police cars. And when you have the same thing, and it, it, the codes are the same, random misfire, when you have the same problem like that, the common denominator is a fuel. And I asked them about that, and they said, well, we had the fuel tested. And I said, what did you test it for? They said, octane. Well, octane's not going to do that. Um, I, I said, did you see white smoke coming out of the tailpipe and the ones that were running? They said, yes, we did. And I said, now I'll take a sample and have it tested for diesel fuel. They did that, and they had diesel fuel. The problem is, a lot of the cars that were three-quarters full, they topped it off with this uh, diesel fuel, and they drove them. And because they were allowed to drive the vehicles home, they didn't want to down the vehicle. To make a long story short, 350 vehicles got damaged. Many of them needed engines. So it's critical that if you do it either way, if you put gas in your diesel or diesel in your gas, you need to drain that system. Do not drive it. Don't start it. Uh, you'll have to be towed from that location to your service center and have them drain and flush the system. And that can save you a ton of money if you have to rebuild a diesel. Absolutely. Mm. And it happens more often than you think because they say in the U.S. every minute and a half somebody misfuels a vehicle. Wow. And uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a real, uh, real common problem. As long as we're talking about uh, fuel and diesel, why is diesel more expensive than gasoline? Well, that's another question that I get quite often. Uh, when diesel and gasoline are produced, when they start off with a barrel of crude oil, they get more gasoline out of a, a barrel of oil than they do diesel. It's like twice as much. And, and that's the main reason that it's more expensive. That's good to know. And that's, uh, you know, these are things that people should, you know, they're back, you and I were talked about this earlier, in the 80s and uh, even into the early 90s, people were going sort of crazy about buying diesel cars. And um, we've covered some of the issues, the, the noise, and then uh, they're just things that, 
in that five or ten minutes before you drive it off the car lot that that salesman needs to tell you, and then at the same token, you're going to forget most of, or half of what he tells you anyway. So, uh, If they tell you anything. If they tell you anything. If they know anything to tell you, actually. But, uh, you know, so it's uh, in prices, certainly, uh, you know, uh, fuel price is certainly a uh, consideration, particularly as things would have it today. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, if, if diesel's higher than gas, then proportionally it's gone up. I haven't had any need to check the price of diesel. And there are a lot of times that uh, it's not available at all locations. Uh, you'd think that fuel was fuel, but just like you said, uh, most of the, in air quotes, the filling stations were equipped, were equipped initially for gas and uh, and not necessarily for diesel. And uh, only truck stops would have the diesel. And let me ask you about that. If uh, I never did it, never had to do it, uh, but if I'm on the road in a diesel and I need fueling, is there any reason not to pull into a truck stop? No, no reason whatsoever. Might as well get it there as any place else, huh? Anywhere else, the diesel is the same. Well, that that's you know, also good to know. Speaking of, speaking of that, you know, I get a question a lot of times. They say that they see red fuel, red diesel fuel, and they see uh, clear diesel fuel. What what is the difference in that? The only difference in that is the color. The reason that it's dyed red is it's for off-road vehicles uh, such as uh, uh, farm equipment and uh, stand uh, standby generators that are not on the road. The reason that they, they color it red is to show that there was no road tax paid on that fuel. And it's very important that you never get caught on the highway with red diesel fuel in your vehicle. Hmm. You know, uh, when did they start doing that? Because uh, when I was farming, I had both of my tractors were diesel tractors. And uh, it was the same diesel that, you know, it was diesel was diesel, you know. Well, I, I don't know when they started, uh, but uh, the fuel is the same. It's identical. It's, the only difference is the coloring. Hmm. Well, that's got to mess some people's heads up every now and then. Sure. I get the question all the time. <laughs> uh, okay. So, you know, what are the – does the diesel require more additives or additives as compared to uh, a gas combustion engine? Let me, um, before I talk about additives, I need to talk about the problems. And when okay. we talk about the problems, I'm going to talk about the additives in order to solve these problems. But everybody needs to know, because this is where a person who has diesel equipment, whether it be off-road diesel equipment or on-road diesel equipment, it's things that, that they can do to, to limit the chances of having uh, breakdowns. Uh, Maybe we can get into that after after your break. Right. We're, that's a very good point. We'll take a break and be back with James talking about diesels and not everything, but most everything you'll need to know about them. We'll be right back after this. Hi. This is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. 
As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Before we get back to the uh, classic car show, I wanted to do one quick shout-out to uh, a few people that that really helped. Um, the Personnel Records Center in the National Archives Building in D.C. was shut down for almost a year, causing veterans to not be able to get forms and things that they needed, records that they needed of their service, and in some cases it literally caused the death of some of our veterans because they couldn't get the records and couldn't get the treatment and so forth and so on. But uh, I had one general, and he knows who he is if he's listening, and two colonels help, and then Lucy Macbeth, my uh, U.S. representative, helped, and we got the Personnel Records Center open again. And I just wanted to shout out to the folks. They know who they are and how much I appreciate the help that they gave us here at the station. And then the fact that I don't, I couldn't tell you how many veterans they helped. And uh, we continue to help veterans all the time on America's Web Radio. So with that being said, let's get back to James and talking about diesel and diesel engines. The one thing you can always say about diesel it has that certain smell. Oh, and I come, I come home smelling like that a lot. <laughs> and oh, wait, I know what you were doing today. <laughs> but uh, before I go into the, the fuel itself, uh, to help your listeners, if, if they're developing engine problems, this is something that's important when you call your service center, is to, to pay attention to the color of the smoke coming out of the tailpipe. Uh, there's three different colors that you could see. One of them is blue, which is usually an oil problem. And then you have a white color, which can be either injective issues or water. Uh, sometimes you have a head gasket leaking and the water gets into the cylinder. And the, the, the other one is, is black smoke. Black smoke has to do with fuel. And so what it does is it helps your, your service center uh, know where to start with your issue. But I want to go through... I want to go through what happens with diesel fuel and the problems that have come up. This is statistics. Uh, 70% of the time when a diesel engine fails, it's caused by fuel problems. 90% of those problems have to do with microbial growth. All diesel fuel has microbes in it. And 
where they cause you a problem is is when they start to grow, and they grow when there's water in there. But you hear the term algae. This is a common thing. There's even some products that say algae on it, but it's not algae. It's actually fungus, mold, and bacteria. But somewhere along the line, somebody called it algae, and that kept on. Algae grows in your swimming pool, but it doesn't grow in your fuel tank. And algae needs light to grow, and there's no light in a fuel tank. But uh, there's a, another problem that comes up. Is there's a term called asphaltines. If you if you have, let's say you have a standby generator, and some of your listeners may have that. Uh, if you have a standby generator where that fuel sits for long periods of time, uh, fuel eventually, diesel fuel, will start to revert back to its original state, which is a solid. And you can actually start to develop solids in suspension. And what that'll do when the engine is running is it'll shut your engine down because it plugs up the filter. And uh, the asphaltines, if you want to prevent that in long-term storage fuel, this is where we start to talk about some additives. Uh, Bell Performance, the company that I work for, we have a product called Diesel Life. Diesel Life is a stabilizer. And I get the question all the time, what does the stabilizer do? What it does is it changes fuel chemically so that it doesn't deteriorate quickly. Uh, that's the purpose of a stabilizer. So it, it reduces the chances of that, uh, uh, like that, that asphaltine growth within the filter formation. Uh, microbial growth, when does that occur? you got to understand there's a term that we call water diesel interface. If you can visualize this where you have water on the bottom, you have diesel fuel laying on top, the water's going to go to the bottom. And what these microbes do is they live in that water, and then they eat the diesel fuel. It's hard to believe that they want to eat fuel, but they do because it's organic. And when they eat that fuel as a food source, uh, when they excrete waste, that's the black stuff that plugs up, plugs up your filter. And what I tell people all the time is if you have a problem with your vehicle well all of a sudden it won't come up to RPM or it shuts down completely but changing a fuel filter makes it run again what you want to do if it's a canister type filter is to cut that filter open with axon and when you open it up if you see black and slimy on the paper on that filter it tells you two things it tells you that you have microbes and it also tells you you have water because if you didn't have water you wouldn't have microbes without water they can't grow and there's another area where you can end up with a water diesel interface. If you have a filter on there that's a water separator, and that's a filter that's got a little valve on the bottom of it, and what you're supposed to do on a regular basis, uh, you know, every few days, is to drain that. Because if you don't drain it, you have a water diesel interface within your filter. You have water on the bottom, you have diesel on top. So what it does then is it flows right there in the filter. So it's very important that you... you uh, uh, identify that, get that filter open, and, and, and see what you see. Now, there's two things that you need to do at that point. If you see black and you see slimy, you got water and you got microbes. So what you have to do is you have to kill the microbes. How do you do that? Use a biocide. And you got to be careful because there's a lot of products out there that claim they deal with microbial issues, and they don't really deal with the issues. What they are is products that maybe deal with a little bit of water. What you want to do is when you have microbial infection, you want to kill it. And that's done with a biocide. We have a product called Bellicide, and it only takes an ounce for 40 gallons, which is a shock dose, uh, to, to kill what's in there. And I recommend doing that on a diesel engine about three times a year, maybe four times a year. And like I said, it only takes a couple of ounces, and uh, you, you're good to go. And all through the fuel system, it'll go through there and kill anything that, 
that's in there. The second thing is water. How do you deal with the water? The problem is you don't know how much water is in there. And then you say, well, how do I get water? There's several ways that water ends up in your tank. Uh, if you have a tank that's uh, half full and where you have wall space and a tank is vented, a uh, seven-degree change in temperature, you'll have condensation. If you live in an area like we do in the high humidity, that can happen quite often. So you got to remember, to a microbe, a drop of water is a lake. And so you got to deal with that water. But how do I deal with that water? Uh, most gas tanks, they do not have drains on them. But Bell has a product called DFS Plus. DFS Plus will actually combine with the water and make it part of the fuel. And what you're trying to do there is you're trying to eliminate what this thing called the water-diesel interface. Because if you don't have the water on the bottom, you're not going to have any growth. And this, this product will actually make it disappear within the fuel. It's still there. It's just no longer a diesel, uh, it, it's no longer a diesel water interface. It'll pass through the injectors and won't hurt a thing. So you say, well, how much of that do I put in? I usually recommend on a 20-gallon tank, you start off with maybe eight ounces. And then if you have the problem again, you're going to have to add more. Because if you didn't get all the water out, even though you killed the microbes that were in the tank, when you fill up that tank again with diesel fuel, you put a new batch of microbes in there. And if there's still water, they're going to grow again. So you got the water is the key. You've got to keep the water out. If you can do that, you're 90% of the way there. You know, James, as, uh, as you were talking, and I was thinking, and, and this doesn't have anything to do with fuel, but it certainly has something to do with diesel engines. And one filter that you have to keep clean, and I learned it the hard way when I was farming, but those air filters are, if you live in an area like I did and where I farmed, was a dust bowl. And uh, we'd have sandstorms, we'd have just in doing normal work, you'd kick up a lot of dust. And you got to keep those intact. We had a practice that we wouldn't start an engine without blowing out the air filters first. And uh, they are vitally important to a diesel engine. Well, so if you do have if you do have a restricted air filter, and this can be from a turbocharger also, if you restrict the airflow into that, you're going to see black smoke out the back because you, what, what you've got is you've got the same amount of fuel going in there but you don't have enough air, so you have a rich mixture, which ends up being black in color. But uh, talking about these microbes, just to give you an idea how fast they grow, uh, one cell, one microbe, in six hours can turn into 240,000. And every 20 minutes after that, it'll double. Now, you got to remember, it's not just one microbe in there. There's thousands of microbes in there. So they're all duplicating. So they can grow really fast. Uh, so it's, it's important that if you want to prevent yourself from ever having that problem, is to go ahead and treat it on a regular basis. And, and also, what I would do, even if you don't have an issue right now, is uh, you just add eight ounces of the DFS Plus, and that'll deal with any water that's in there. And the swashing around of the, of the fuel in the tank will be enough to go ahead and pick that up. But, uh, you know, there's three kinds of water. You know, when we talk about water, you have free water, which is water you can see, then you have emulsified water. What, what that looks like, if you have a sample of your fuel and it's cloudy, uh, usually that's emulsified uh, uh, fuel where there's water suspended in the fuel. And that can cause you some problems because the engine manufacturers of, the, uh, of these engines, uh, when you get above 200 parts per million uh, water suspended in diesel, they can void your warranty. And a lot of times on the very expensive engines, that what they'll do is they'll do a fuel test 
before they do any work if there's, if there's engine damage. And uh, if it turns out that the fuel has more than 200 parts per million water in the fuel, they just voided your warranty and you're going to have to pay for it. Well, on that note, let's uh, take our second break. We'll be back with James right after a couple of messages. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hi, I'm Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value. Uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride, call J C Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. And when you call J C Taylor, be sure and mention the fact that you heard about them on the Classic Car Show and that you appreciate what we do here on the Classic Car Show. Uh, we bring you information that a lot of folks, just like today's information, you don't hear this everywhere, that's for sure. We'll be back right after this. Hello. My name is Colonel Retired Rick White, the United States Army veteran, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I would like to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. If you are a Georgia veteran, and the Georgia veteran's definition is you are either born in this state or you lived in the state 10 years or you raised your right hand and joined the military in the state of Georgia, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to your website at www.gmvhof.org or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. Nominations need to be in by the last Friday in August each year. Again, if you're a Georgia veteran or you're a friend or family member of a Georgia veteran, living or deceased, please consider nominating that veteran to this highly noble and rare Hall of Fame for our great state. Thank you so much. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now let's get back to James and talking about diesel engines. And uh, let me ask you, uh, would you consider a diesel uh, uh, more picky than uh, a regular combustion engine that it needs more pampering or more of this or more of that, James? You know, actually, it needs less because it doesn't have the ignition system. It doesn't have wires and coils and all sorts of things. So it's actually uh, uh, less less maintenance. So the problem is when you do need maintenance, when you do have to work on it, it's very costly. That's one of the downsides on a diesel. And, and you know, before we, we started the show, you had mentioned something about uh, where where you take your vehicle. It's critical. Not all mechanics are trained in diesel engines and it's real important that that when your diesel needs work that you take it to a qualified diesel repair uh, person because I've seen a lot of diesel engines damaged by by technicians that basically don't know what they're doing on them but um, I want to go back I want to go back and address this water thing one one more time you know people ask me how's the water get in there uh, I told you that a condensation if you have a fuel tank that has ball space 
you can have condensation, but there's a couple other ways that it gets in there too. The fuel supplier that actually supplies fuel to a station can actually bring water in there. And, and this is why it's important that a station have good housekeeping practices uh, where they test it for water, and if there is water, that they remove that water. Uh, um, when you go into a service station, you see these covers. One of them is painted yellow. The one that's painted yellow is on the ground. It's the diesel. That's where, and underneath that is what they call a spill bucket. And the spill bucket, when they're fueling the tank, if any fuel spills into that bucket, they just push a little button in that, and the fuel goes back down in the tank. The problem is, is a lot of times those spill buckets and the heavy rain will get filled up with water. And it'll, the water will be higher than the than the cap. Well, mostly you're supposed to go ahead and pump that out before you go ahead and remove the cap. But most fuel suppliers, they don't. Uh, most of them don't have a way to do it. And so they end up popping that cap and pushing that button. The water ends up down in the tank. And this is where it, it, it's good to go to a, a good service station where you know that they have good uh, housekeeping practices and maintenance uh, on their equipment. But... There's, an, there's another problem. <laughs> After all these problems, you're going to wonder why you got a diesel. Uh, there's another problem with these microbes. Some of the microbes actually excrete acid, uh, sulfuric acid. And the pH of fuel, if you, if you have uh, corrosion issues, let's say you see corrosion around the filler neck, uh, and at that point, you, you probably have a low pH, which is high acid. When the pH of diesel fuel, which is normally 7, gets down to about 5.5 or below, it'll actually cause damage to the tank and the equipment because it's acid. And then people say, well, can I just add something to, to raise the pH? There is no product on the market that raises pH in fuel. So the way that you get rid of it is you have to adjust the, the uh, source of it, which is microbes. Again, we go back to that biocide treatment. And that, that's why a regular treatment of biocide can be helpful. And... Uh, after you treat the source of it by killing the microbes over time, uh, as you're consuming the fuel and adding fuel, the pH will rise. But uh, this is something a lot of people don't know. This. Uh, another area is the sulfur. Why do we have ultra-low sulfur diesel? It used to be that they had high sulfur, which was 5,000 parts per million. But what they did is they gradually dropped it. They went from 5,000 to 500, which was low sulfur diesel. And then from there, they went down to 15 parts per million, which is ultra-low. And you say, well, why did they do that? The new emission systems on the vehicles that uses diesel exhaust fluid have particular filters and catalysts. The sulfur that's in diesel fuel will actually damage that catalyst. So they had to get rid of the sulfur. But along with that came some problems. Sulfur did two things. It was a lubricant for the injectors and injector pumps, and it suppressed microbial growth. And that's why microbes go in diesel fuel a lot quicker than they ever did because they've taken most of the sulfur out. So, uh, again, usually the sign is corrosion around the filler neck. Uh, if you see something like that, and it'll also, if there's water in the bottom of the tank, eventually it'll actually eat holes in the bottom of the tank. If, let's say you had an underground storage tank. If you had water down there and you have microbes living in that water and they're excreting acid, eventually there'll be a hole in the bottom of the tank. Something, I, uh, you know, interesting point, and I guarantee most folks never heard of that. I'm probably telling people more than they want to know, <laughs> but, but this is the reality of using the modern diesel, diesel fuel, but uh, 
I get a question all the time about fuel polishing. What is fuel polishing? Fuel polishing is filtering. What they actually do is they draw the fuel out of the tank and they run it through a, like a two micron filter and they filter out uh, any suspended solids or anything that's in the fuel and they put it back in the tank. Uh, the majority of the time, unless the fuel is dark in color, uh, it does not need polishing. Uh, if the fuel is clear, uh, the odds are there's no suspended solids. And in a car, in a vehicle, and that, the fuel is consumed pretty quick, so you're probably never going to see suspended solids. Where you normally see that is when you have stationary power units, a piece of equipment that sits for a uh, long period of time. Uh, some of the home power units that they have, all house power units, uh, they have a problem because it's too, so fuel sits for a long, long time. And then I get the question, well, how do we test for water? Well, there's, there's, there's uh, a product on the market it's called Water Paste. Color Cut is the name of it. And what they do with that is they put that on a stick or in, a, in the uh, case of a, a vehicle fuel tank, you can put some on the end of a piece of rubber vacuum hose and you feed that down in there. If it touches water, it changes from a gold color to a red color. Uh, that's how you can determine that. But if, if I go back to what I said about the filter, if you see black and slimy in the filter, you really don't need to test for, for water because you know you got water. Because if you didn't have water, you wouldn't have black and slimy. Mm. Makes me want to not buy another diesel. <laughs> no, you know, uh, this is something you were talking about, um, and I'd like to address. Uh, the uh, the point of... of how good the housekeeping is at the station you buy your diesel and i would say the biggest problem there is the turnover of employees at a at a service station or a filling station not many service stations anymore but filling station and uh you know it's it's sort of like i used to put out smudge pots for my uncle's construction company using kerosene and there wasn't a nastier thing in the world that you could do than that and working with diesel isn't exactly a, a prime job as as we discussed so you know you have people that are turning over and don't understand what they really need to do to keep the diesel clean would that be a fair statement yes very fair and you know one thing about uh, and i do a lot of work for for circle gay uh, food stores uh, they have the largest uh, chain uh, convenience store chain in the nation. And, and they, but the problem that they have is just, the ideal thing to do is if you had a store manager that could actually treat their underground tank uh, for the microbes, they usually don't. They don't know anything about it. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with the chemicals that are, are used because the biocides are poisonous. So usually unless they have an outside service doing it, they don't get done. Uh, uh, there's one more one more area that uh, well, is more than that. Uh, diesel fuel has, a, you, you've heard of, of anti-gel. Diesel fuel has wax in it. If you live in a northern climate uh, where it's nice and cold, diesel fuel uh, somewhere around 10 degrees and that will start to turn solid. And it will actually get solid just like a, a block of wax does. So in those areas, you have to use what they call anti-gel to prevent that from happening. And uh, Bell has a product. Bell has what they call cold flow improver uh, to help uh, prevent that. They also have a problem, uh, problem called uh, quick thaw. Let's say that your system got all uh, gelled up and solid. What do you do with that? 
Well, this, this uh, quick thaw, you spin the filter off, you pour some in the filter, you pour the rest in the tank and wait 20 minutes, and it thaws the whole system out. So that's something uh, to know. But most people that own a diesel fuel and coal climate know, know that they need to do that. Wow. One more. Okay. That, that brings up another point. Um, I'm driving up to Wisconsin in the middle of, of uh, the winter, and I, I'm driving a diesel up. You know, people don't think about that. They think no matter where they are, they're at home, sort of speak, you know, and that, well, if I need diesel, I'll just get it, or if I do this, I... And they don't check in advance to find out, gee, I'm going from 40-degree weather down to 20-below-degree weather, you know, and what's my car going to expect? And so it'd be a good well, idea to to check on the area that you're going to. Well, you also, you've heard the term of summer fuel and winter fuel. People think that's, that's not true. There is a difference. What they do on diesel fuel in the wintertime is they mix uh, number one, which is kerosene, with number two diesel. And what that does is it drops that gel point down. Uh, it'll drop it down below zero. But you still need to use some uh, cold flow improver. And then people say, well, why don't you just use number one to begin with? Well, because there's less energy in number one. There's more energy in number two diesel. Uh, the higher the number that you go on diesel, all the way up to number six, there's more energy in each one of those numbers. Hmm. But this is something that, uh, you know, if you're driving way out of a warm climate into an extremely cold climate, uh, people need to know that they need to check on the fuel, right? Absolutely. And uh, Absolutely. You may, you know, maybe even uh, depending on what kind of car it is, check with a dealer up there and say, look, I'm driving from Atlanta, Georgia, up to uh, Minneapolis, and uh, what do I need to do to prepare my car for that? Or do I wait until I get there and then do something? Or, you know, but check in advance, because it can make a whole lot of difference in uh, a lot of things. You bet. needs to be added when you add the fuel. Yes, sir. So... uh, I don't know about you. I know you haven't learned anything today, but uh, I'm learning something every minute we go, uh, James. So what else would you, anything else you'd like to hit a highlight on? Well, I, uh, if we have another break here afterwards, I want to talk a little bit about biodiesel. Okay. I also want to talk about that cetane and injector cleaner because it's critical. All righty. We'll take our break, and we'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Hi. This is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. 
This program, From Lawyers to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. And we will get back to you if you're interested in doing a show or... uh a weekly show, I might add, and, uh, you know, name the subject, and we'll think about it and talk about it and see we, where we want to go with it. But uh, there are a lot of folks that have opinions today that would like to be able to have a forum to express those opinions, and that's what uh, America's Web Radio offers is a forum to express your opinion, and um, we download a lot of podcasts every month. The, the number would blow your mind and be glad to talk about it with you uh, if you want to call and find out, uh, you know, tell me about the show that you might want to do. With that being said, let's get back to James Dunst talking about diesels. And uh, let me ask you, James, when did the diesel... Okay, this is a, this is a chicken and the egg, I think. Was uh, because of the uh, torque that a diesel engine can give a vehicle. Did they start out in trucks, or did they start? Did diesels start out in cars? Well, to be honest with you, that's a good Google question. <laughs> okay. I, I don't. I don't want to say something that I don't know for sure. Well, uh, I, I can appreciate I, I'm, that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, it, logically, it sounds like. It probably started more with trucks than it did cars uh, because they needed it does have more torque and more power uh, therefore the truck would be the, the most logical uh, approach but before I, the, the next item has to do with biodiesel but before I do that because I don't want to miss this I want to talk about the the cetane and injector cleaner and the stabilizer you know I talked about stabilizer earlier I said that it changes fuel chemically so that it doesn't break down as quick. And it's for fuel in long-term storage. The trick, though, is you got to add it when the fuel's new. You can add it later on, but the problem is it won't fix the damage that's already been done to the fuel. It just prevents further damage. But ideally, if you're going to use a stabilizer, you want to do it at the beginning. And the thing that's critical on all of these chemicals, you can have the best chemical unless they're mixed into the fuel. They're not going to perform as they, as they claim. So... Stabilizers or any of these, the best time to do it is when you're filling it, uh, to go ahead and put the chemical in there and then add the fuel behind it, which causes it to mix up. But I talked about cetane earlier, and what they, what you can do, uh, most people, they, they drive their vehicle, they know how it feels, they know how it accelerates, 
Uh, they know how the engine sounds. They know what the smoke looks like out of the tailpipe. And what they can do is you can experiment with cetane booster. Uh, Bell has a product. They have a product called Diesel, which has two points of cetane plus it has injected cleaner in it. That's an ideal product. But what you can do is you can get some cetane boost. We have a product called Supertane. And you, you put the, whatever the treat rate is on the back of it. And then the beautiful thing about cetane, you don't have to wait a week to, to find out if it's going to help you. The minute that it's fixed into the fuel, if it was deficient in cetane, you'll feel the difference. You'll feel the difference, you'll hear the difference, and the power and the miles will change. And the smoke coming out of the tailpipe. And what I tell people, because there is a point, uh, let's say your engine was designed for 50, and you put enough cetane boost in to raise it to 55. You get no benefit beyond 50, because at 50, you had a complete burn at exactly the right time. Everything got consumed. There's nothing left to burn. So there's, it, it won't hurt anything. You'll just waste it. So what I tell people, go ahead and add uh, one treatment, see if it makes a difference. If they feel a difference, go ahead and add some more. When they get to the point where it no longer makes a difference, that's it. That's, that's the ideal place. I've never had anyone who I suggested this that didn't come back to me and say, what a difference. It does make a difference. And the other thing that's critical on a diesel engine is the injectors. Injectors don't, do not get dirty internally. Where they get dirty is on a tip. When the tip, the diesel, when it fires, it has a high uh, spray, a real fine spray. And what happens eventually when the diesel fuel evaporates off the tip of that injector and that heat, it leaves a residue behind. And eventually it starts to restrict the flow out of that injector. When it does that, it starts to dribble and then you have an incomplete burn. Now you got black smoke again, now you got noise again. So if you can deal with both of those items at the same time, what I usually recommend is you use a product like Diesel, which has the injector cleaner in it. It also has stabilizer in it, but it has the injector cleaner in it and it also has two points of cetane in it. Now, the two points of cetane in this particular product, one ounce for 10 gallons, I know that doesn't sound a lot, but in the world of additives, you're working with parts per million. So if you have a, an additive that works, uh, you're definitely gonna, uh, definitely gonna feel the difference. But it's worth a try, it's fun to try it because you, you can breathe new life into your diesel engine. You'll find power that you didn't know you had. Yeah, uh, James, let let me ask you. You know, we live in a society, <laughs> and I'm as at fault for this as anyone, certainly. But if a little bit's good, oh, well, let's put that much more in. Can you do damage on going the other way? No, yeah, you won't do any damage. You just waste it. It's not going to hurt any. Same thing with the biocide. Uh, I said one ounce for 40 ounces of a shock dose. If you put two ounces or three ounces, it's not going to hurt anything. It's just going to waste it. The ideal treat rate is, is what we have on, on the container. Okay. But the last thing here, because the time's getting away from us, is I want to deal with the biodiesel. Everybody should know that all diesel fuel now, and most diesel fuel has 5% bio, deal, bio in it. And they don't have to tell you. It doesn't have to be on the pump, but it's in there. And at 5%, it doesn't cause any problems. It's when you get in, they, they have different ratings. They have B5, B10, B20. What that is, is B10 is, is 10% bio, B20 is 20% bio. And where you end up with some problems is when you get between 10 and 20%. At the 5%, it doesn't cause a problem. But some things to know about uh, biodiesel, it can be made from 50 different 
products, everything from peanut oil to palm oil. And if you're dealing with this anti-gel that we talked about for northern climate, the anti-gel that works on diesel fuel doesn't work the same on, on these bio products. So in order to have an effective bio uh, anti-gel, you'd have to know what it is. And you're not going to know that because they don't tell you that when you buy the diesel at the, uh, the local supplier. So my advice, in the wintertime, don't use anything from 10 above. Use everything, or just leave it at the 5% that you have in there. Uh, also, biodiesel will absorb four times as much water right out of the air than regular diesel fuel does. And remember what I said about the 200 parts per million. If you get 200 parts per million or more, they can board your warranty. And uh, the, the other thing here that's really critical, never, ever, ever use biodiesel in critical use equipment. What I mean by that is I deal with emergency operations centers. I deal with fire departments. I deal with communication towers. You don't want to use it anywhere that you have to depend on that, which absolutely cannot go down because you have a much higher risk of it going down. And it, it has about four, one-fourth the life of regular diesel. They've got microbes in it much quicker. So... The rule of thumb is that you don't ever use it in critical use equipment. It's okay to use it in your car. Be careful uh, what you're using at what time of the year it is that you don't exceed the uh, B10. Keep it under that B10. That's very important to know, and uh, I hope that people came to the show today with their pen and paper at hand where they could write down some of this information and uh, uh, look back at it down the road whenever they are doing something or refueling or going to know that they need to refuel. And, uh, uh, James, you, you've done a, another fantastic job of, of introducing us and telling us the truth about diesels and what needs to be done and what has to be done to keep them running right. And uh, certainly want to thank you for jumping in and, and uh, working with us on this and Look forward to the next time that you can be our host. Listen, our, we have a website. It's www.bellperformance.com or .net. Most of what I talked about today is on there. Some of it I actually wrote. Uh, if you have questions, you can always call in to Bell Performance, and I will answer your questions for you. And the phone number there is 407-831-5021. Again, it's 407-831-5021, and just ask for James. James, I'd be happy to help you. If I'm not there, I'll call you back. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.